called podcast, Mama. And everyone has one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some things never change. I was waiting for this music thing to. No, happen, and we did. We just we just jumped right in. We did. Did we just? <laughs> Hi, you guys. Hello. Um, greetings for the first time, or for the first time in a long time. We are Dirty Pillows, and I'm Medical Arati, and I'm Chris Fox, and we're back. Hi, guys. We're back. We said it again. We said it multiple times. Uh, we just we really missed you listening yeah. to us yeah hi it's, it's very very good to be back you know um they said it wouldn't happen but we proved them wrong yeah nobody actually said that but uh but our own minds did uh so uh, it's been <laughs> over a year since we've recorded anything for dirty pillows but we've secretly been having dirty pillows talking um you know Daily. every night every night <laughs> yeah <laughs> Since we last uh, left you, and uh, we just couldn't. What happened? Where did we go? We disappeared off the face of the earth. I um, I had a soul crushing job that I left. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that yeah, it was taking up far too much of my own time. So I had to get out of there, and I did. And now you know we're both doing creating our art and doing that and. Uh, I'm feeling much more of a complete person. Yay, and, complete people. Yeah, so it's really, this was definitely one of the things that we weren't able to do while I was working at this place. Um, and it really made me sad. Maddie was working a lot, and I was like, I could just do it by myself, but I don't really want to just talk about movies by myself to a microphone, because then I would just be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> just crazy. <laughs> I no offense to any uh, oh, podcasters that are by themselves. I mean, all the movies. offense. We're talking about you. But I would feel really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're new, our very first episode, we talk about rules that we have as podcasters. And one of them is we never talk smack on anyone else's podcast. I didn't say anybody specifically. No, we just and I didn't mean at that. all. We just, just never kidding. do that. But um, But yeah, solo me would just be a lot for me i can only imagine how much that would be for you we need maddie to balance this out hey yeah i mean and if it is your first time joining us welcome yes welcome um chris and i are partners that reside in brooklyn and i mean he is i like to say that he is the rain man of movies because his ability to we also like to say that it's 1989 in our house we do? For that reference, if people don't. Uh, <laughs> Young people are not going to know what Rain Man is. I don't think we're even allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah, doesn't that offend people? I feel like Rain Man um, is considered. Maybe. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> it's our first episode back and we're already canceled. I know a lot about movies, you know? That's what he's trying to say. Yeah. I can't count matchsticks if they fall on the floor, but I can tell you every actor that's in Friday the 13th Part 2. And what else they've been in, and the year it happened, and the director, and what else they've directed. It's really quite impressive. You don't need IMDb when you've got me around. It's it's absolutely true. But I love IMDb. I love it. <laughs> it, is, it is. It is my thing. I feel like you're more, I mean, I feel like we've had this talk. I feel like I'm a very big IMDb person. You really like Letterboxd. I do. I love Letterboxd. Letterboxd is like my forest where I'm just a tree falling by myself. <laughs> like... 
<laughs> I can write whatever I want. I don't worry. Nobody really follows me. Uh, but I'm so invested in it. And I catalog everything I watch. And we watch too many movies. We watch a lot. We do watch a lot of movies. It's just crazy. So we've decided that we would do this podcast because we talk about movies. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm very much a film enthusiast. Um, I, I definitely don't have the backup knowledge that you know that chris has so but he learns things every day i know he's see i love i love learning things i always want to keep on learning so this is this is we're it's a great dynamic and i mean we started this originally during the pandemic we were just shooting shit about movies for hours and weeks and months and years at a time. So we started recording it, and yeah. then we're like, hey, we're funny. And then also, we like got nominated for awards a couple times. We so did, twice. We're like, shit, let's keep going. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> uh, long story short, we missed you. And if you haven't heard our podcast, we've got like 30 episodes that you can catch up. Um, but for now, we want to catch you up to what we've missed talking about, like... It, uh, for an entire year a whole over bunch a of year. stuff came out over a year and uh a whole lot of stuff and a lot of them we were like damn i wish we did the show Podcast, so we could yeah. talk about this so we each decided we were gonna pick five of like our greatest hits yeah slashes greatest gasps the moments that made us clutch our pearls the most i mean okay ho- hold i know that for at least for some of mine it may not be the greatest it's just your favorite my most enjoyable, most kind of noteworthy doesn't necessarily mean that every I'm I'm just going to be singing praises. <laughs> if you're looking for praises, you've come to the wrong you're channel. Not gonna get it from <laughs> me. <laughs> Ooh, maybe our roles have reversed over the like year. Like it's interesting. I think this will be an interesting project, an, uh, a study to see how much our tastes have changed over the year. Okay, you were always a good cop, and I was bad cop before. I mean, I, I, maybe I, he's a bad cop now. I, I think has th- this become a Targaryen situation. Has a character totally switched their personality what? over? Is Maddie gonna fly on a dragon and crush me with a bell <laughs> in very low lighting? Not till episode fifteen of nope. the new season, Mm-mm. and you're not even really gonna know what happened. <laughs> it's gonna be too dark. <laughs> All right, so who wants to start? Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? I think that I want you to start. Okay. I'm going to start with what I think was the best horror film since we've last spoken to everybody. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to first say, talk to me. Talk to me. (laughs) Guess what we're doing? We're talking to you. Hey, talk to me. Are we in another dimension? Demons. I want to hold your (laughs) hand. (laughs) Uh, all right, so talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to a horror podcast right now, you know what Talk To Me is, but Talk To Me was uh, a big hit for A24. It's the second highest grossing A24 film so far, which is great. That's, it scared the shit <laughs> I miss feeling like, oh, I can't watch this because this is evil. <laughs> and I feel icky <laughs> and I'm worrying about everything in the world um, it, I, it made me so uncomfortable and the first time I watched it I watched it alone in the theater and I didn't really read anything so yeah. it's just kind of like I know it's Australian and that it's doing good and I go support it And I remember you texted me and you're like holy shit that movie was terrifying I don't know what to do there's I don't know what to do this whole life. sequence the sequence with the yeah so so it's directed by Danny and Michael Filippo. Um, I'm assuming they're brothers. I didn't check. I like to think that they're married. (laughs) 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 That that, these nice Australian couple that 
<laughs> scared everybody. But I think they're probably brothers. Probably. Maybe it's a father and a son. Ooh. <laughs> I don't think so. And it is, yeah, it's written by Danny Filippo. It's from Australia. The The lead is Sophie Wilde. She's incredible. And she's, oh gosh, it's she's her first phenomenal. lead role in a movie. And she's so good. And then there's a guy named Joe Bird who plays her little brother, Riley, who I think is one of the best child performers that I've seen all year. That kid was... And his scene holding the hand is like literally the scariest scene in any horror movie I've seen in forever. I, I haven't felt that way, like viscerally, to where I wasn't just clutching my pearls. I was like holding my clavicle. <laughs> like a death grip on my clavicle. Your talons were inside your bones. E, like almost through my rib cage, which I mean, it was... It, it's true. I was sitting next to him when he watched it and he looked like a mountain goat that was like just about to fall off of a mountain. Uh, and then, yeah, their mom is played by, um, or uh, Riley's mom is played by Miranda Otto, who is from Lord of the Rings and she's the cool smoking auntie in Sabrina. Yes. And she's just delicious and it's fun to see her. And in um, What Lies Beneath, she's the neighbor. Oh, yeah, she's the neighbor. She's the neighbor. <laughs> I like her as the That's a deep Satan, dive with that Satan one. auntie. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer watching her through the bushes. Talk to me also. Uh, the thing that I found out that I think is the most like ugh, about our times. It was banned in Kuwait this year. Really? And it was banned because it featured trans actor Zoe Tarakis. Um, yeah. So one of the one of the main cast members is a trans actor. And they're right. very good, too. They seem so genuine. Most of the cast just seems so. All of those kids. I mean, it was it was the level of I feel like the younger generation's acting abilities is just it, the bar is so high right now. I feel like even when someone's still a good actor, there's so many great, like phenomenal younger actors when someone is good. It just, the difference is that much more obvious yeah, now. I'm trying to think of like a low budget Australian movie from the 80s that we would have seen. Right. Whether you're doing the Australian I mean, movies. But Australia always, always has like the, some of the most amazing actors come out. Of oh, yeah. Movie. A lot of American, our favorite American actors are Australian That's people true. that do better accents. But yeah, fantastic. If you haven't seen Talk to Me, we recommend it. Highly, 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 highly. What's your first movie? Okay, well, it, with with my list, apparently what I liked this past year was Bloomhouse and Emotional Thrillers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, guys, it's strapping. <laughs> uh, but first, I would like to start with one of my really great surprises that I thought of the year that I just, I, I saw it going around on socials and was like, what the fuck is this? I want to watch it right now. And I think that's exactly what we did. Totally killer. Oh, yeah. Which was um, on Amazon. It Speaking of, in, in the same vein as Sabrina, it has Sabrina. Miss <laughs> um, Shipka. In this film, you don't just get an ant. You get the whole witch. Yeah, right? I mean, okay. She's not necessarily my favorite in Sabrina. I don't know why. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's the writing at times. I don't know. But I really, really much enjoyed her in this. I mean, like, they build it as a slasher meets Back to the Future. <laughs> it is very Back to the Future. And that's exactly what you get. You know, it it, it has no kind of... It's a great example of a horror comedy. Um, I think Julie Bowen from Modern Family. It was really nice to see her in something. Oh, yeah, with the jacket. <laughs> yeah, with, like, see her like... A- <laughs> Sorry, we watch this movie, like, at a guest house in Fire Island over yeah. the summer, so I'm trying to reach into the memory bank of being like, I remember there was a spinny thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, my Julie gosh. Bowen's in it, too. 
Yeah, I mean, like it. So, so pretty much what happens is there was a mass murderer in the eighties, and three high school students were murdered. Flash forward, it's like thirty years later. They have a kid, um, Keeman and Kiernan. Oh, I maybe that's what that is. That looks like an M to me. I, I was like, Keeman. <laughs> that looks like it says Kermit in Maddie's notes. <laughs> The star of this movie is Kermit Shipka. I mean, hey. <laughs> Why Welcome aren't there the so day. many movies about Ferris wheels? Kiernan, <laughs> we apologize. Oh also, God. I thought you were great in Sabrina. That's okay. We're all entitled to we our never own know who's opinion. That's <laughs> true. That's true. What happens is they have to go back in time, solve the murders, so, you know, it doesn't continually keep on pressing them. I mean, they have a friend who's, thank God, an astrophysicist in high school that can build a time machine. <laughs> There's a lot of what we call a leap of faith in yeah. this movie. I mean, we are a suspension of belief. Disbelief. Um, disbelief. <laughs> I mean, it. it is... You have your 80s glam it's absolutely ridiculous it's a really great horror comedy and just really stupid fun yeah you know? it's a nice surprise yeah i like a nice surprise and we were like put it on we're like this is probably garbage and i was like oh oh it is not a, not garbage it also plays really good with final girls the yeah the movie with with uh the chick from the watchman and mm-hmm. yeah and the girl from american horror story it uh it's very similar vibe and we did i think do that double feature in real life. We did, actually, yes. It's like, this exactly reminds me of something else. Settle in for another two hours. But yeah, cute. But art. I mean, it was it was a director. I love her name. Nanachka Khan. Nanachka. Nanachka I don't know if I'm saying that right, but Nanachka Khan. I think did an amazing job. And she's also did um, Always Be My Baby and with Ali Wong. Mm. Um, and has done some of Ali Wong's uh, comedy specials and... <laughs> One of my favorite TV shows when it when it was on was Don't Trust the Don't Trust the Bitch in Twenty Three A or something, which is hilarious. Kristen oh, Ritter, Kristen Ritter, yeah. Oh, oh, Kristen Ritter. I've got something to say to you. <laughs> First happened? off, you're a great actress, and I really like you, and you have a good uh, oomph. But I very much dislike the fact that your name is spelled K R Y S. Oh, because you're always the first hit when I'm googling myself. <laughs> It's like, Chris Fox, did you mean Kristen Ritter? And I'm like, no, no I meant me. <laughs> uh, that was true. not what I was expecting. That's, yeah, yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> Otherwise, I think she's great. It's like, how do you spell your name? Like Kristen Ritter, but without but, the tin. W- and, or and the Ritter. Switch Fox and Ritter. <laughs> and no, Ritter. <laughs> I miss John Ritter. Do you? He was a nice man. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, that was that was one of my really lovely surprises that I thought of this past year. What a lovely surprise. Lovely. <laughs> I want to talk about a lovely surprise. Tell me. Mostly it was the surprise in your eyes when you realized that there was still going to be, like, three hours of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and just this look of fear that I could feel off of you the whole time. Of me? Yeah. Oh. Let's talk about Bo is Afraid. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> to say this movie is polarizing is to... Oh. Well, it's to mock the poles, you oh. know, because it is more than polarizing. Oh. Yeah, like, I've seen... Okay, for example, I have it number two right here. Um, John Waters is in good company with me in that John Waters picked it as number two of his infamous year-end list. Like, he always picks his best movies. Right. Right. And he always makes some kind of quirky choices. Yes. Um, 
I too think this is one of my top movies of the whole year. Like, and did I, is it a movie I want to watch after we record? No. No, yeah. I think I'm good watching it again, maybe in 10 years, but I thought it was brilliant. Like, I thought the art direction of it, the, like, just the first, like, 40 minutes of oh my the movie gosh. is, it's, like, on par with, like, Mother, Aronofsky's Mother. Like, it's just uh, it, so much saturated stuff going on that I'm, like, right. as, as an artist, I just watch it being, like, how do you even start to make this? And start to organize, yeah. And then when you really look at it, like, every sign on every building is created like they made the, they basically shut down an entire town and then painted it up and changed it and made it their world and it's inhabited you know like it just right. is like a piece of art the whole movie and what so it's an Ari Oster movie who did Hereditary and Midsummer, and this is his long-awaited like third movie a lot of people bagged on it and I just I thought it was just showed somebody who has so much promise as a filmmaker and is showing how yes. unique he is all the time this is just being like look crazy and i feel like yeah. all of our auteurs they've done this like every director that is like the great directors it's usually around like movie three or four where they start taking these risks and jumps like tarantino's third was jackie brown and if people didn't get that because it was not written by it was not in his voice you know they take a risk to show you're not like a one-trick pony mm-hmm. you know yeah um so i love that and there's some parts where the sets are like you know, like a like a movie or like a like a play, and then other parts where it's so hyper surrealistic. It's just the tone changes throughout it. it does. The cast is really incredible. It just seems like there's so much love made in, in into that movie. And I get that it's a it's a it's a slog. It's a lot to go through, especially if you're not connecting with stuff. But I also just thought Joaquin Phoenix did some of his best. I think Joaquin Phoenix gets a lot of praise a lot of the times when I'm kind of like. Eh. And then other times he does stuff that's so bonkers. Yeah. Like I love him in like To Die For when he was a kid. Like he's like, he's great when he just like goes somewhere unexpected and this, he gets to play like so many different sides of himself. And like, then the supporting cast is like Patty Lapone, Amy Ryan, Nathan Lane, Parker Posey. Like there's through in all these cool people. Yeah. Um, the cast was amazing. And, and it was, it was those first 40 minutes were absolutely fucking nuts. And those are my favorite parts of the movie. I, I think it was just a slog for me, but I get exactly what you're saying. You know, the, these there was so much to it. Maybe it was just too much for me. Right. I think, yeah, I think it overwhelmed a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. I love that movie Mother also um, with Jen- Jennifer Lawrence. And uh, I remember people hating that movie so, so, so much. That took like, me a long time Because to it's also like a lot. Like it's just sometimes if your system gets barraged that way, and just attacked you just it makes your body kind of have a reaction which is what they're going for obviously but like maybe you did it too well i think the funniest thing i read when i was looking this up um earlier was nathan lane who i just fucking always love but nathan lane called this movie the jewish version of everything everywhere all at once (laughs) (laughs) and that it's just like a life story of jews and their guilt and like and i think that (sighs) Mm. Put that in your <laughs> noggin when you go to watch it, and I think it changes the way you see it. I just think that's brilliant. Um, and yeah. Joaquin Phoenix always goes through these crazy links to like to play his characters or whatever. And yeah. some of the examples in this, like he hurts his hand in one part and has to wear a bandage throughout a lot of the right. Movie. And he put real like sharp needles and pins inside of the bandage, so if he accidentally used that hand, he would freak out. Are you serious? Yeah, and he put like finder clips like on his stomach and on his legs so that he would have a real limp and then my brain i'm like put a rock in your shoe (laughs) like i i I walk with 
It's like when I watch National Geographic and I'm like, I'm a photographer, but I could never be that kind of photographer. I read things like that and I'm like, I think of myself as an actor, but I would never do that. Like, what? (laughs) You're acting. Can't you just, you have a bandage. Can't you just be like, oh, I can't use that. And if you do, it's like oopsie doopsies. It's like a a goof in IMDb, you know, like fucking used to say (laughs) No one really cares. Everyone thinks you're really good and and you don't have to impress us anymore. You've been acting for 30 years. We get it. We get it. You're You're, awesome. You're amazing. (laughs) No one's going to pay attention to the bandage. Like literally trees are made out of paper and people are catching on fire. Like there's a lot going on. (laughs) But bless you for trying so hard. But yeah, I know that when we when we saw it in the theater, you looked so angry. <laughs> I've been more angry by some films this year. Yeah, but, it's true. It's been a rough year. But a lot to compute. And like with, I like your comparison with Mother. Because and with that movie, it kind of builds up to the last half hour, which is like absolute banana. Yeah, this is like And this like <laughs> darts with it. And you're like, and then the tone totally changes and then you don't know where you are. And then kind of maybe it's just me. Cause when I get into those moments where I get like, whoa, super full of endorphins and then all that tension is released. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> like I immediately get tired. I'm like, like, Oh no, there's yeah, two and a half more hours. Yeah. There was like the part where he was like in the water. Right. <laughs> and it was becoming like a theater. And I was just looking at my phone being like, this has to almost be over. Like this has to, but it's not. Yeah. If you break it into three parts and just watch like an hour and then do something else and then watch an hour and those tones are going to change, I think it would be lovely. Oh. That's that's a serving suggestion for you. I mean, (laughs) piecemeal. Actually, we've talked about this a lot and this is just a side note. I think that with the current trend of these huge epic long movies, like two and a half hours, three, three and a half hours, you need to bring back the intermission of what's going on. Like, that they used to have in movies like intermission, have a seven minute break, like go to the bathroom because there's been multiple times where we've been in a theater this past year with a like outrageously long movie. And you just see all around the same time, you can hear it through the theater. People get stir like get stirry. And then because your butt hurts and your butt hurts. Asleep. And then people like go to the bathroom. One person goes and then another person goes like, it, it's funny. Like the group think of like, Oh, okay. Like you can feel it when the audience just needs a break. And I think this is why I am petitioning to bring back movie intermissions if it's over two and a half hours. Um, you can you can sign my um, what is that called petition petition <laughs> change dot com bring it back. I'm doing a petition. Wait, what's it called? A petition. <laughs> a petition. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mister Petition. What's your next movie? My next one is. Going to be this one came out pretty much right after we kind of went um, on our little hiatus and that we wanted to see for a long time, but it took us a while. Bones and all. Oh yeah, I really loved this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when your partner really loves a movie about a cannibal romance, yeah, it, it puts some flags. <laughs> you know, it, it makes your little spidey senses go hmm, hmm. Things that make you go hmm, hmm. <laughs> cannibal romance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I learned it from watching you. It's I found true. my ad- I found my adoration for cannibal cannibalism love from from just the little things you said to me when we started dating. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was even literally last night where you're like, I just want to be in your skin. <laughs> your skin is just so soft. Oh, thank. I moisturize. I would make a lovely jacket. And- <laughs> 
Bones and All, it came out on uh, November of 22, actually. Director is Luca. Um, Say his last name. No, don't make me do it. I want you to do it. <laughs> You've been watching The Sopranos. You can do this. Guada, Guadagino. Yeah, do it with your hand. Guadagino. <laughs> Guadagnio. Guadagnio. Hey. Guadagnino. Guadagnino. He did a Call Me By Your Name and the remake of Suspiria. Another mm. three and a half hour long movie. He likes long movies. Long. But I love this movie because... There were no peaches. There were no peaches, but there was blood. There was a lot of blood. There was a lot. I, I mean, I I love the idea of a love story of two lost people trying to find their way through life who just happen to have an undying need to eat human flesh. <laughs> He's such a weirdo. Like, I like that. Like, I feel like these younger directors, it's so fun to see them, like, keeping us on our toes. Like, it's... yeah. It, it's like a lot of them have done about three movies now and it's just funny to see like some of them there's like a theme and mm-hmm. with him it's like I mean it's sort of gay sort of spooky there's sort of sad all of his movies are sad I'd say yeah he's sort of like the there's Morrissey. like a heartbroken <laughs> yeah I was I was gonna say without you know the violence but then I remembered what we were talking about no, and this movie, is very violent yeah too. all of these movies are <laughs> Call me by your name is emotionally violent. Right. Our um, places have never been the same. <laughs> um, but Bones and it involved a cannibal anyway. And, and I mean, it if was. You think about it, right? Call me by your name, cannibal. Maybe this is the cannibal. Trilogy. Army Hammer. Mm. As Army Hammer, I've never thought about that before. And then Suspiria is like, which isn't cannibal. It's Luca, very violent. What are you trying to tell us, Luca? What's going on? Hey, we're your kindreds. <laughs> You're part of our LGBTQIA family. <laughs> Who hurt you, Luca? Did they bite you? Did they? Hard. On your peach. Hard. (laughs) He just has like a little bite mark. (laughs) I'm working through this. (laughs) The only way through. The only way out out is is through. through. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But... Timothy Chalamet is great in it. I think that his, I mean, he's Timothy Chalamet. He's great. He's pretty to look at. I think he does a fantastic job. But Taylor Russell, I think she's just a really amazing, amazing young actress. Uh, She got her start in Escape Room and then the remake that I enjoyed. But maybe that's just because of Parker Posey. But she was in uh, the Lost in Space remake. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just really like seeing this girl kind of come to terms with having absolutely nothing and it 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 goes with those usual kind of like coming of age movies with a twist of finding yeah of a twist of human flesh uh, <laughs> it is by far one of the most original screenplays and stories i've seen i think i cried i thought that, i just thought it was yeah. really beautiful it's and a weird movie that makes it's sort of like in the vein of like let the right one in or may or something like things that are just sort of are, are raw like where they're the subject matter is intense and violent, but the story is really like coming of age drama. And it's just, and but it still has that, that, you know, his touches of just a really beautiful like landscapes and just how it just looks doesn't look like a movie that expensive yes it does and it does but it doesn't look like it's it's gonna be what we're the subject matter is really about so it's that that i think that juxtaposition is really really nice yes definitely um and i usually don't have many nice things to say about this person um well i just don't usually say anything about them because you know i try to be stay positive but one of the best cameos I've seen since we've been gone was Chloe Spagney in this. You're going to say bad things about Chloe Sevigny? 
She's in my phone. <laughs> Wait, is she? That's like one of the douchiest things I've ever said out loud. Uh, that's so gross. <laughs> Strike that. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, no, I have not. I have nothing negative to say. I'm just like somebody. No, I mean, it, it's just, uh, neither do I. <laughs> She's a polarizing I thing, just I really, really liked her in this and the role that she played. I like her in every damn thing she's ever done. And that is Except the- for American Horror Story. But I'm excited for the swans. I am very excited for the swans. I like, yeah, I genuinely love, love I've loved her since kids. I think she's wonderful. Like, so many people crying. get AIDS in that movie. And that movie about the, like, that that show- Big Love. Oh my God, I love her in Big Love. Oh, Big Love is really She's amazing. She's a very good actor that I think the Hollywood doesn't know what to do with. I think there's a lot of kids that kind of came out in the late 90s that they just don't make movies with the same type of characters and they just don't know what to do with her. No, I think think that she falls into the category of a person who is a brilliant actress, actor, and sometimes their real-life persona leaks out. And people don't necessarily enjoy that aspect of it. That's why we should all just stay to ourselves as we make a podcast. And I (laughs) am just, again, going to say that I loved her in this film. And (laughs) it was one of my favorite parts. Yes, I like when she pops up in things anytime. I'm just happy that Timothy Chalamet played a straight cannibal in this movie. Right? I'm sort of tired. But did he? But did he? I was thinking about it. There's an entire scene that's not, I don't know about that. He's like his muse, though. It's just like this thing where every generation has like their hot, young actor that plays gay more than once. And then I just think of like the little gay actors that want to be these roles. And it's finally a role that they would fit for. And then I'm not bitter about Joseph Gordon-Levitt or anything. But... Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? (laughs) There's just like, there's certain actors that like, they get to play the sensitive gay character Mm, and they're really just like a dude. Non-binary. Yeah, he's dating a Jenner. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. But he just makes me feel really old. Timothy Chalamet's main thing in life is that I just, I feel like I'm 400 years old. I think he makes 22-year-olds. Does he? Good. I hope so. God damn it. It's gonna be, I mean, it's just gonna be interesting to... Welcome to Maddie's Corner of Judgment. That's what this episode should just be called. Jeez. What's he going to look like when he's 50? That's what I want to know. And I guess I'll be there to find out. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, when you're that skinny, it, it's see, when seeing seeing twinks come out of what you think they think is forever twinkdom. Forever twinkdom doesn't really occur that often. I mean, it's always fascinating. It's, it's fascinating and sometimes terrifying. Where do twinks go huh. when they grow up? Where, where where do they go? <laughs> where does my twink go now? <laughs> I've obviously been caffeinated. What's your next one, darling? <laughs> my next one is the third in a row that is a written and directed by a type movie, which I guess is my theme, is these sort of independent films that are made by writer-directors. But this one is by Brandon Cronenberg, who's becoming my new favorite mm. thing. I venture to say that in his first two movies, I'm starting to think that I like him a little bit better than his dad. Because it took me a while. Vomit in your mouth. <laughs> it took me a while to get into David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg felt like a very like all the guys that I knew that were really into David Cronenberg were like kind of broy into metal. They probably wore like Judas Priest t-shirts. <laughs> They're like, it's so gross. And there's a porn star in it. And it was just never I was like, this isn't for me. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> but Brandon Cronenberg makes even... things that are like, this is for me. Like, yes, yes. His first movie was Possession, and I really, really love that. Yeah, um, yeah, Possessor. Yeah, is that right? Possessor. Possession is the one with the tentacles and the, the and milk. The Medusa. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Possessor is like the melty face mask. Yeah, Possessor was fantastic. And then uh, it was one of my top movies of the year. And then this new movie is called Infinity Pool. And it is also very oh, <laughs> polarizing movie. I love this movie so much. Thank goodness. And that's why we're still together. <laughs> I stopped following a YouTuber that I've been into for like a year just because they didn't like this movie. <laughs> He didn't just I, like it. Like, he hated it. He rolled it through the, the coals and then shoved them in its orifices. Like, he was so mean to it. And I was like, I half the reason I'm like, we need to start the podcast again is because I needed to come on the air and defend Infinity Pool. Well, baby, this is your time and place, and I want you to take it. Defend it. Go. <laughs> so Infinity Pool is this wacky movie that it's better to go into not knowing anything, um, which will help, too, because while you're watching it, you won't really know anything either. Um, it's like, it's confusing. The pace is weird. It's an odd duck. I think that's rarer and rarer these days where you get these movies that are just so bonkers and weird because everything has to go through so many stages of approval through executives now. And I think in horror is one of the only genres where they let these kind of new directors just do something weird. And that's why all this like elevated horror and this A24 stuff is so popular, I think, is because especially the younger generation and the horror generation in general, all of us, we're open and we're hungry. So it's like, we'll take it in and give give new things a chance. And, and I think they're scared in like big movies. It's impossible to do stuff like this. Like this movie was made in Croatia. Mm. It was like most of the cast is European and completely like unknown to American audiences. And then like they throw Alexandra Skarsgård and Mia Goth uh. into the mix. And they're a, they're both just delicious to look at. Absolutely. Like, I think they're so hot, both of them. Like, um, and then I think that they're both two of the most talented actors in their generation. Like, Alexandra Skarsgård has so much range. And then Mia Goth is just like a queen now. She she is. And this movie is worth seeing just for her. Like, I would say you could go in blind and just be a fan of Mia Goth and you will be delighted. That's how I, I ended mean, up feeling. And there's dicks. There's dicks? And if you're new to our podcast, we are big fans of putting dicks in horror movies. Wang dang doodle. Especially this one. Hi. It's like, okay, but is there a dick? All right, I'll watch it. I'm down. He sometimes gets disappointed in the dicks, but... Sometimes it's not the dick you want to see. Even that is better than no dick at all. It's true. <laughs> and this movie has a lot of dicks, so... It was... I mean, it was... I I loved it. We still quote it. <laughs> Do your impression for me. Jamie! <laughs> that wasn't that good, but... <laughs> no, across the, across the airways right now, people are cheering. And Yay! That sounded just like me and Goth. I, uh... Yeah, I, I'm not going to tell you what the movie's about. Not really. I will say that it was written based on an experience that Brandon Cronenberg had um, on vacation. So he was like vacationing in the Dominican Republic. And when he came in, they literally dr- they they drove him via bus at night to get to this resort that he was staying at. Once he got there, there was razor wire all around the resort, which is in the movie. Oh, All these things are in the movie. And then they had a fake village to shop in, in inside the resort. There was really a really terrible disco. Uh, there was really bad Chinese food. Uh, and there was actually an ATV chasing a man on the sand. A man on the sand when he woke up one morning. He went to the beach and someone was being chased by an ATV. On the other so, side of the razor wire? <laughs> no, inside, oh, like geez. on the beach. So all of that made it into the movie. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. And originally the movie 
was longer. It was more uh, racy. There was more nudity. And the uncut version was shown at Sundance. And then everybody was interested, but they rated it NC-17. And it got distributed by Neon, which then edited a bunch of stuff out. We need that director's cut. And so that's what everyone saw in the theater was the unrated. But I know that like the, or they saw the rated version, but there's an uncut version. And I've heard a lot of whispers, whispers in the dark about getting copies of that. Um, Sometimes more dick isn't better. So I don't know that it. (laughs) Who are you? Die on this hill. I just remember some of the dick not being pleasant. If it's just Alexander just being naked, I will Mm. always always we like freeze frame true blood to see him naked on the hill god (laughs) i mean it was so pixely and i was like i think i can see scandinavia and 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 like the northman didn't have to make sense because the northman is just porn with the york which i never thought i'd enjoy but i do (laughs) 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 so yeah if that sounds up your alley i'd say um Dicks and Mia Goth, go watch Infinity Pool and don't read anything about it. Just watch it and experience it. Experience. On the topic of dicks, for my next one, we're going to go back to Bloomhouse. Oh, no. I know. I said I'd never go back there. Well. I owe them money. <laughs> I mean, I think Bloomhouse owes us money. <laughs> um, but not for, the, not for all the films I'm talking about today. Thoroughly enjoyed. This kind of broke before... Barbie really brought people back to the movie theaters. This movie shattered box office expectations. Crash. Due to, I think, a really phenomenal marketing campaign. I mean, uh, I'm talking, of course, about Megan. Oh, I was like, what are you talking about? Megan. Because, I mean, like, her and Chucky had their Twitter fights. They, like, which doll are you? Like, I kind of forgot. They were beefing. Hence that stuff. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was like, have you seen this fucking doll? Christian Chenoweth did a whole, like, Halloween. It was a big, cute, it was like one of the big Halloween costumes. There's so many people dressed up as Megan for all these different things. I mean, it made $181 million. Um, worldwide directed by Gerard Johnson and had lovely Allison Williams who <laughs> I've never said that sentence lovely <laughs> Allison Williams did we ever talk about Get Out on here yes my biggest takeaway from Get Out besides that it's an incredible movie is that um, Allison Williams is an actress and, <laughs> and I will explain that yes that movie blew my mind and i was like wow that that twist i didn't see it coming and this is so revolutionary and this bravo jordan peele but also like oh my god Allison williams is acting (laughs) (laughs) because i had only known her from girls and i could not stand her in girls like for like years i was like just kill that girl like she's awful she's the (gasps) worst oh i'm an artist and these people running galleries just ruin my life like i hate this character so much but I didn't realize it was a character because I'm, I'm I'm a human that doesn't understand TV isn't real. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I just don't like her. And um, no, and I met two of the other cast members and they were exactly the same as they were in the show. So I was like, right. they're all just being they're themselves. All, right. And then I saw her like, maybe she did Peter Pan. I remember she did mm. like the live Peter Pan. But I didn't watch that because I don't hate myself. And then, and then, uh, oh my God. And then in Get Out, she was so different, <laughs> like totally different. And I was like, oh, maybe I just Dude, hate that character. Actress, yeah. I felt like I, 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 I never experienced television before, but I was like, wow, good for you, actress. And then, yeah, and then she's an actress in this, too, and I didn't hate her in this. And she was, she was amazing in Fellow Travelers, I thought, as well. Yeah, she's um, a good job, Allison. <laughs> you played a character I could not stand, but good job, because that's, you tricked me. Yeah, she, I think that she's great, and I The mean, lovely Allison Williams. The lovely Allison Williams. <laughs> her niece, 
who she uh, winds up being the caregiver of the guardian um, is played by Violet McGraw. And she does amazing work in that movie as well. I think it got greenlit for a sequel within like weeks, moments, days, like the first (laughs) opening weekend. Same with talk to me. Talk to me too is called talk letter, like the number two and then me. And then Megan, I think has, has a two in it somehow also yeah nowadays if a horror movie does good within the first weekend they're like another give me another that's why you have to kill all your characters exactly but i mean it 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 takes your kind of what you loved about child's play and gives it a vagina (laughs) i hope (laughs) i I hope not i mean this was the year of the doll but it, uh, I mean, and also kind of all of our deepest fears about AI and robots and gives it a whole new face with, you know, a blowout. <laughs> she, had a, she had a good blowout and she could dance. Um, so end result, I remember you saw this before I did and you loved it and talked it up a lot. I did? I thought mm-hmm. we saw it together. No, and then I saw it after. Oh, okay. Oh, who did I see it with? I don't know. Oh, I saw it with Lance a lot. Friend of the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we loved it. It was it was it was a very enjoyable experience. That was very fun. Uh, so that I mean, we all kind of know about it. Especially people that are listening to this podcast definitely know what this movie was. But that was a that was a very good one that I thoroughly enjoyed. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sitting here for ten minutes trying to think of like how do you say this without but you know what you guys we're real with you we're nothing if not completely genuine and i just i wanted to like it i think i think everyone talked about it so much and i waited a little right. too long to see it okay i think if i went into it with no expectations i'd have been like fun silly it's a killer doll movie i don't know what i was expecting but like i i think i expected like a talk to me it's it, it it's one of those i mean like what was also so good about it was everything that encompassed it in its marketing and all of that, I think that was. Now they're geniuses. They made a bajillion dollars. Like bravo! <laughs> I just, um, I think I was disappointed. That happens sometimes with the people kind of hype stuff up. And yeah, totally. I just, I, I didn't take it for what it was going to be, and I was expecting it to like really make me laugh or really be scared. I didn't really find it scary, and I didn't find it particularly funny. funny. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of like, who is this made for? But it seems like it was made for everybody except for me because everybody really liked it. But I, uh, that happens sometimes. Like, the many times on, on this I show, we've loved movies and then everybody watches it and hates it. So. I think that it was very much a movie that was made for Gen X that a lot of people enjoyed. Gen X. Gen Z, sorry. I was like, no, I'm Gen X. I forgot my letters confused because millennials didn't get one. We got a word. Millennium. <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> All right, so like I went into that being like that last movie with Megan. I feel like I went in with expectations and I wanted it to be a certain thing, and then I was disappointed that it wasn't that thing. Uh, this next movie I want to talk about is the complete opposite, where I like went in. This is how you should go into all movies, kids. If I teach you anything in this lifetime. May it be how to give a good blowjob or this. So listen, <laughs> when you go to a movie, don't expect anything. Just expect, like if a movie is good, it's like an act of like some sort of higher power because there's so many things that can go wrong when you make Absolutely. a movie. And like, and, and even with the best intentions, it can just be garbage because like everything yeah. has to work perfect. So when you see something that you love, 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 you should do a little dance of joy because that is so friggin' rare, right? Right. So go into it expecting nothing. I went into Cocaine Bear thinking this is going to be the <laughs> worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And I like, I'm like, fine, 
I want to support Elizabeth Banks. Like old Lispy Pants makes me happy. I just want to like support everything she does because I've always just like I love her. She um she's a fun girl Friday. And uh oh my god, Cocaine Bear had no right being as good as it was. It like, was I it mean was, it I'm so bummed we did a whole Animals Attack episode before it existed. Not knowing the ultimate non-Jaws animal attack movie was going to be about a bear that finds a bag of cocaine. I mean, it's... It was funny. It made me gasp. Like, there was moments that were, like... It was brutal. It was was brutal. brutal. I thought they were going to go light, because I'm like, there's so many kids in this movie. Yeah. And (laughs) what... It was just audacious and fun, and it felt like how movies used to be. It says a lot about the movie because the bear was so CGI and he still enjoyed it. Yeah, CGI animals are my least favorite thing. Yeah, I mean, but you can't really give a real bear or be like, hey, bear, act like you're on cocaine. Like, there was there was no op- the movie. If couldn't... we still had that bear from the 80s that was in all those <laughs> movies, there was like this grizzly bear that was sort of famous that was like in like the great outdoors. Mm. Also, they do totally reference the great outdoors in this movie, like where the bear like knocks the door down and like is jumping. Right. Like he does on John Candy. I've been craving that movie for some reason. And I don't know why. I remember like kind of hating it as a kid, but now I'm just like, I want to watch the great outdoors. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they that that bear was like super famous. It was in a bajillion movies and could do anything. <laughs> and, That's awesome. Uh, I think he died. So, and it was the wrong kind of bear. But this movie, okay, so this movie is. Like we said, directed by Elizabeth Banks. It takes place, um, it's supposed to take place in the South, but it was filmed in Ireland. That was like a kind of oh, thing I thought was interesting is that almost that. every movie that I liked this time was not filmed in America. No, <laughs> but like were made to be like they're in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this one was like filmed in Ireland. Uh, Carrie Russell's the star, which is great. Carrie Russell is always a solid presence. Um, Alden Ehrenreich is in it. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is in it. The late, great Ray Liotta makes his final mm. film appearance in this movie. Margot Martindale is in it, who is not and down. Not is and also, down. Like, amazing. <laughs> You'll notice that we have this game. Any sort of matronly actress just tickles our pickles. And I don't it really is, know why. It is my non-fetish, fetishized kink is it's just like we're Matronly the biggest women. fans of people that like look like they could be an aunt yeah and it's like it started with like it's, it's like and, is this and out and we yeah. would always question this <laughs> oh my god i love and out yay it's and out and oh, then wait. we'd look it up on like whatever and it's oh, not, it's not and, and, out. Out. <laughs> and there's like five actresses that it would maybe be margo martindale is 100 always and not and out yeah but she's she i i definitely definitely get them confused a lot yeah. and then but it's gotten to the point now that when we do see and out i'm like is that and yeah out? we don't even the real and <laughs> out is almost never end up in our mind because you're like it can't possibly be her yeah. we're always wrong and then it is her and she pops up the weird shit and i'm looking at you exorcist believer and brooklyn prince is in it and brooklyn prince is like the little girl she looks super familiar and i was it was bugging me because i was like i know her as something besides a cocaine licking little kid but it was because she's the little girl in the florida project and i love love oh. love those filmmakers and i and then uh, we're friendly and i and i really love her performance in that movie so it's good that she's still working and she's being funny this movie i just found this out today this movie is based on a true story absolutely you didn't know that well it's in quotes because it's not a true story it was like the entire sorry not being too no get in there i mean it (laughs) i first heard about it 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 came up in podcasts like the story got really big in true crime podcasts because there was a bear that was found dead surrounded by kilos of cocaine and, and who wouldn't want to write a story about that and yeah i know yeah and then and then the writers kind of took off running and kind of made 
like Tarantino false history about it. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was basically going to say. Yeah, so like, apparently this like happened in Kentucky in 1985. There was a corrupt cop and he uh, stealing a bunch of cocaine and he had about 80 pounds of it on him and parachuted out of this airplane and died. And then when he landed, a black bear found this and ate about, they approximate the bear ate $20 million worth of cocaine. Oh my God. <laughs> and it OD'd within minutes, <laughs> which sounds like a lot of people I know in Fire Island. Like, it's like, mm. you know, you do that much. You might. You're not going to go to the pool party. Later, you're... You know? <laughs> So this you're poor bear no passed away. You're gonna, this you're bear's gonna also like on display at some place called like the Happy Time Mall. Stop it. <laughs> no? Really? Yeah. <laughs> you can go see him. Um, it's, um, it, it, uh, uh, in the movie, it's a female and you'll find out because of twists that it's a lady. Um, it's like Sharon Stone in Casino or something. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer and Scarface, just like a hopped up femme fatale. But uh, in real life, it was a boy. And his his line, his name, which is also used by Funko, and I think it's the funniest thing, is they call him Pablo Escobar. <laughs> and I'm not saying cocaine is good. And I, if you have a bear, please don't feed it cocaine. But don't. funny, funny, funny premise for a movie. Oh my God. So it was it was so good. Yeah, it had no right being that good, but it was a surprise. And why was it a surprise? Because we didn't go in with expectation. Even with negative connotation, like, this is going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah, maybe every time you see, like, a Spielberg movie, you should be like, this is going to suck. Oh, okay. Oh, no, he still got it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I did say that this was um, Ray Liotta and uh, Ray Ray Liotta's last film. This was also technically Paul Rubens's, Pee Wee Herman's last film, because they show him on the television. For this footage and it was last movie so far that he's been in um since he passed away and ray liotta died a week after he recorded lines for like redubbing like they often like go in and like yeah and, like he was in this session and then he died a week later so this is like oh, his last thing so rest in peace ray liotta you're incredible um cocaine bear is a weird name for a movie and it technically wasn't gonna be the final name for the movie that's just like what they called it like we're making that cocaine bear movie right and they couldn't think of a better name i mean how could you <laughs> I, I i i don't know what, what what it would be so it just stuck like working cocaine bear title yeah like. <laughs> amazing i don't know how they're gonna do a sequel well, i think i do actually know how they could do a sequel so maybe we'll get a cocaine bears cocaine bears <laughs> More bears, more cocaine. <laughs> this time we want more than a picnic basket. <laughs> picnic basket. Yeah, watch it if you haven't. Watch it with your mom. Watch it with someone like Andow. <laughs> All right, what's yours? All right, we're going away from the House of Bloom. Okay. A pleasant surprise for us again. Um, it was a movie exclusive. And I'm talking about Rotting in the Sun. <laughs> Yay! It's my favorite movie poster of the whole year. Oh my god. Which I didn't get for the longest time. And then I was like, oh! It's a vulture and a boner. It's a boner and ketamine movie. <laughs> um, a movie for our time. Yeah, that's, I mean, like, that. that's what gay social media called it. Oh so yeah, that's that dick and ketamine movie. I, I don't want to give a lot away because there are, you know, different plot twists and everything in it. But it was... Uh, directed by Sebastian Silva, uh, also stars Jordan Firstman. It was very different in that they both kind of play themselves, and it's very self-referential. It was, I, I absolutely loved it, and the standout performance, I thought, was Catalina Severda. She was a character named 
Veronica. She's the maid, right? She, uh, she was. She's in a movie. Another one of uh, Sebastian's movies called The Maid. Mm. Uh, but she was the housekeeper in this movie as well. It's it's just a really great movie that has plots and twists and some really kind of who done it structure. Has a scene that made us both gasp more than any of these other movies. I would say we both were like, <gasps> oh Jesus! Like hands into. The clavicle again. Yeah, it made its rounds, you know, on on so on social media, um, and it was just a really, really, really lovely film. Not exactly horror, but um, definitely a thriller. Yeah, thriller, suspensey, which we'd like to shake our fists with love at. I really love them. I thought Catalina was incredible. I like. Uh, we just had in our real universe, as opposed to when this comes out, we just had Oscar nominations and uh, I knew that was never going to happen, but my little dark horse in the back of my mind for Best Supporting Actress has been Catalina all year. Oh. Because I was like, she is incredible. And they're acting like there's all these supporting roles that are like, I don't know, was it a strong year for women? And I was like, there's a woman. Yeah. Acted the shit out of this movie, but not enough people saw it. And she has, in in so many of this guy's films, I mean, like... Yeah, I love that his muse is like a middle-aged... Exactly. (laughs) It's so cool. I mean, he's an amazing director. He's gorgeous. It's, It's just a really interesting topic that is very... Right on the pulse of now talks about kind of, you know, the dangers of social media, not necessarily the dangers, but the toxicity of it. Using people who are very popular on social media. Like Jordan is someone like I remember watching the movie and being like, I feel like I know this guy and I I know this guy somewhere. I know him. I know him. I know him. And I was like, oh, no, we follow each other on fucking Instagram. Like it was like, oh, Um, you are named Jordan also. And I was like, because it it was weird. I didn't piece it. He's playing this hyper version of himself anyway and like kind of a douchey version of himself very douchey and he got very famous during the pandemic making fun like humorous like comedy videos um and that's how i found him and that's i mean like and 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 that is his character himself in it which was i i think it he plays such kind of a gross character in it and being able to do that and still say that you're being yourself like you gotta gotta give props to that yeah you know that's gutsy moves it is you're like oh well that's really how you are <laughs> plus there's dicks in it plus lots of drug use so it's like also dicks. i remember like kind of like in our like queer film loving community there was like a lot of is this a negative is this too negative is this bad representation and i think to talk on that is kind of interesting like i i personally think that it's nice when we get to see gay people not in like a victim light and not as like a an innocent hero like show the different shades kicks. yeah and know, this is a very gay movie i remember what you and said it's You're not like necessarily this... like a sweet no it's not we're not necessarily compassionate like Mm-mm. yeah and it's good i like think that all people come in all different colors and just any sort of representation on screen and a lot of our movies have had kind of queer characters or content yeah that we've chosen which is great which shows how much things have changed Absolutely. In the past couple of years, you know, and I, I, I think what you said after we watched this, I, it's always kind of stuck with me was, oh, yeah. yeah, no, it's that, stick with you. that in your ribs. like glue <laughs> um, was that this is what queer cinema should be, you know? It's just it's, dicks and vultures. No, <laughs> no, I mean, like, like it's showing our sex lives showing and, and I mean, like the sex in it is real. You can tell. You know, it's like it is provocative. It is out there. It's showing an aspect, not what gay culture is, but it's showing an aspect of what gay culture is to some people. It's been Um, a long time since we've had like gay directors who are willing to put something ugly or something um, that other people are not going to 
appreciate on screen. Like like back in the the roughest like new queer cinema times of like the late eighties, early nineties, when we had a bunch of new directors that all made things that were edgy and kind of in your face, and people were like, "Oh no, like yeah. my children cannot see this." You know, right. and it was like you know. Greg Araki came out and Todd Haynes and Todd Barrow and all these people were like making these movies that were um, like <laughs> putting gay on a post-it note and sticking it in your nose. Like, I'm gay. Like, and, yeah. you know, like we have dirty sex and we like, it's, I'm not like you. Like, and then we changed like for 20 years, we've been like, let us do this. Let us be the same. Let us accept, let us accept us and let us be part of the, the conversation. We're and in, just in like, the process, we became yeah. like this, like homogenized version yeah, it, of an experience. And I know a lot of people that I think rotting in the sun made them uncomfortable because it showed them their own life a little too much. Absolutely. You know, and mm-hmm. it seemed like, Oh, but I'm not that bad. Right. Like, you know, Oh, I don't go to Mexico <laughs> just to look at dicks and the, oh, do I? Oh you know? yes, you do. <laughs> I was like, this is the life story of a lot of people I know. And I've never seen that story on the movie before. So, Fucking good. I can't wait to see what he does next. Bravo, Mr. Silva. Bravo. So, darling, love of my life, what's your last movie? My last movie? Yeah. I want to play a game. Oh. Let's see if you can guess what it is. Um, Risk. <laughs> what did you say, Risk? Yeah. <laughs> is that Scrabble. a movie? No, it's a game. Oh, that's a game. <laughs> Oh, you're guessing the game. <laughs> Whoa. It's categories. <laughs> no, of course, we have to talk about Scream. I was like going back on like our past episodes, like kind of reminiscing and also like boning up so that I'm boning up so that I could see what we were going to talk about and uh, what we hadn't talked about. And I didn't realize that we devoted three episodes to the Scream series. Did you? We did. That's a lot of episodes. We yeah we 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 talked a lot. Well, there's a lot of movies. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those Scream. The whole series is funny because if you ask me what my favorite horror movies are, I don't know that anything besides the first Scream like even come to mind right off the bat. But when you really look at like the actual series itself, I'm like, oh, I think it's one of the most solid, like solidly enjoyable, right? Slasher like Leviathans that I like like i i, mean, I think i like the scream movies a lot more than i give credit to them for <laughs> like like then they're important when the new one comes out it's like important tor and i feel yeah. very invested in it uh and this one it made me so happy for so many different reasons and now thinking back at it all this time later and all the news things that have happened for this new scream oh my movie, gosh it makes me so sad <laughs> So I had to kind of hold off and I wasn't even originally going to put it on the list. Like I was like, no, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about Scream. And then I was making notes and I was like, there's more I need to talk about with this movie than anything else, really. So (laughs) fuck it. Let's go in. It's uh, it's directed by Radio Silence, which I think is sort of funny and sort of silly that they have like a code name for their director team. If we were directors, what would our tagline? What would we go by? Glitter Fox. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this is Matt... Bettinelli, Matt Bettinelli open, which I wanted to write Bert Bertinelli so badly that I almost said again. I was like, is he related to Valerie Bertinelli? Matt Bettinelli open and Tyler Gillet. Uh, And they go by Radio Silence when they direct together and they often do. They made Ready or Not, which is one of our favorite movies. Uh, we Yeah, we like them. I was very excited to see what they were going to do with the new trilogy and now it seems like that's well, they, made, well they made two just i mean it, and the two they did were really it good. is a great example to you know appreciate what you've gotten and appreciate when you get it 
because you never know if you're going to get another one. Ugh, right? We just take for granted that we're going to... This happens all the time. If you're a fan of Scream, you know that this happens all the time. This is just like... <laughs> This is just bullshit. So, like, all right, so let's dive in. So, like, so Scream 6 is in New York. It's like Scream, Ghostface goes to New York, takes oh Manhattan. My God. But it's actually in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited that they were going to film a Scream movie in New York, and I was like, there's no way we're not going to be extras in this. Right. We're going to find a way. Well, they filmed it in Canada. And they so made it that. in a different country, so that was impossible. We, also, by the time they tell you they're filming, they're, like, done filming. But uh, We did have one thing that we noticed the scene in Scream 6 where they're on the subway on Halloween, it is exactly like that. Yeah, but we're, we're throwing up. We talked about it in our last episode, but yeah. like Halloween in New York is just like straight people throwing up. And that yeah. is, um, that was the only thing missing in that scene really. was. It's like, true. But the, and the costumes were like too recognizable. I feel like a lot of times in New York, there's people that are dressed as something kind of like, I'm Van Gogh's ear. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like highbrow college students right. dresses like Freddy mm-hmm. Krueger, you know. That scene in general, the like the subway scene, A, when they were talking about making the movie, they had said that it was like the scene that almost got cut because it was the, gonna be the most expensive and they couldn't figure out how to make it and oh. like, how to build a subway in Canada. And the whole idea of it was gonna just be too much just to create, so they were gonna drop it. But and you so can't that they have didn't. a movie in New York without a subway scene. And it's one of the best scenes. Yeah. It's yeah. I wish they hadn't shown so much of it in the trailer, but it's by far one of the best scenes. Um, so the cast of this, the only person that came back that's in the original five other movies is Courtney Cox, and then also Yay! Roger Jackson, um, the voice of Ghostface. They've been in every single movie. I mean, he's on TikTok now. Um, it was the controversial movie that Nev Campbell dropped out of because of pay dispute. Give me money. Nev they Campbell no. deserves all the money that she she she's. She's carried a series for five movies. She Just deserves a lot of money. shoulder pain. Give Nev Campbell whatever she asks for, especially now. <laughs> especially now. Uh, it has Melissa Barrera, who was uh, the lead in the last movie. Our final girl. Also the other final girl. It girl of the moment, Jenna Ortega. Who I mean, everyone survived. The, the core four. Yeah, then Jasmine Savoy Brown comes back. Uh, from Yellow Jackets and Mason Gooding. Cuban Good Jr. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s really hot son. Um, and then they add Dermot Mulroney, who has forever been the hot dad. That's oh. always very exciting. Jack Champion, who's like the unexplicably hot 16-year-old in Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the dreads, the like yeah. whiteboard dreads. Um, yeah, he's in this. Uh, Hannah Liberato is the hot little redhead. Uh, Liana Liberato. Samara Weaving comes in for the first scene and she's the lead of Ready or Not, so it was really nice to have her in it. Yes, it was. And she's wearing Courtney Cox's like chartreuse color from Scream 2. The amount of Easter eggs in this movie is unlike any other movie in the series. Like, they just obviously love it so much that there's little touches throughout the entire movie. It gives it watchability. And then my two favorite cast members, we have Hayden Panettiere coming back as Kirby. Kirby! wanted to have happened since Scream 4. Uh, and I found out some stuff as to why that didn't happen, which is very, very interesting. Oh, um, but first, that. a shout out to Josh Sagara, who is um, the hot boyfriend of Melissa's character. Yes. He has a shirtless scene that literally was the greatest mm. thing I've seen in cinema in the last like year and a half. It, we gasped. Here at Dirty Pillows, we like to give you like our mm. horror trade stuff. And on the top of my list of horror trade now is Josh Sagara. He like <laughs> popped up in um, She-Hulk 
And we were like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh. There's something about like a furry, ripped, goofy person that just makes my whole body feel like it's going to have like a grand mal seizure. And I have to like eat popcorn real fast. (laughs) And he took his shirt off and was like, wow. I was like, oh, he's dumb and silly. And he's got that. And that. Good for you, Melissa. And I was like, oh, please be the killer. But he wasn't. Um, Hayden Panettiere, originally, they were thinking that they wanted her to come back after their big, remember like after Scream 4 and they fucked everything up and we talked about this, but she was clearly the best bet to be like the new Sydney, but they fucked it up and killed her. And then the movie didn't do good because they made so many bad choices. And then they waited 10 years to make another movie. I feel like that's this Hayden Panettiere curse. Yeah. And I don't want to put that on her because she's an awesome human. She is. I've met you. I like you a lot. And you're so, so good. But uh, they wanted to put her in, but they couldn't find her. Oh. And she had done Nashville, and then she took like a four-year break. and uh, Or she took a break before that, too. Um, she doesn't have an agent, doesn't, have, doesn't believe in any of that stuff. She's like the feminine Bill Murray. I love that. Bill Murray doesn't have representation. Right. You have to just have his phone number and call him. Right. Sofia Coppola always jokes that like Lost in Translation was like hell because she had to like find Pine, Bill Murray. Find- <laughs> And Hayden Panettiere, I love that you are like the female Bill Murray. It's like Alan's you, like that. Do you coming. know her? Ugh, that's so cool. That's such a cool like flex. Like be like such a fight. Like uh, that's such DM a me. <laughs> do you know how to get a hold of me? So I someone involved with Nashville like was friends with the guys making the movie, and then they were like, "Hey, can do you have a connect to Hayden?" And they're like, "Yeah," and they just like called her up, and she's like, "Yeah." Oh wow. And she was, so they just they wanted to put you in, kid. They just couldn't find you. It was <laughs> just so interesting to me. Let's see what are some some things to talk about with this movie. Um, it is the longest screen film in the in the franchise. It's two hours and three minutes long, so it's longer than any of the others. The bodega scene they showed a lot a lot of the trailers. I thought was really interesting because it like it was very controversial that he had a gun. Right. And the ghost faces never have a gun unless the they shotgun. reveal themselves. Not just a gun. He had a shotgun. But it was intense. I've been in so many shady bodegas and I was like, oh my god, what would we do in this situation? And like uh. a fun little Easter egg is that bodega is called Abe's Abe's Snake, right? So the snake belonging to Abe. Uh huh. Do you know why that's a Easter egg? No, tell me. <laughs> when Wes Craven was starting out, he was mostly known as a porn director mm. before when when like last house on the left you know uh, the olden times he he directed a lot of porn and his porn nom de plume was abe snake uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so the bodega is named after west craven's porno director career director <laughs> which i think is fucking so cute and wonderful uh his director his porn director alias i love that this is also known as the first movie that courtney cox actually got to talk to ghostface Oh. But if you watch Scream 2, she um, she was supposed to talk to Ghostface in Scream 2, but Randy takes the phone from her and then he dies. But that was supposed to be Courtney's call. But this is the first time she got to actually talk to him. Courtney Cox is super enthusiastic just in general talking about this movie. Like, it's her favorite because she got to do her own stunts and she has this great fight scene. And Oh, that fight scene's so good. She, a lot of shit was going down with Dewey dead and Nev out, but Courtney seemed to be having a blast, which is why I think that they let her always come back. Like, I feel like yeah. You can tell when someone's fun to work with, and Courtney Cox just seems so chill and enthusiastic. Oh if you're not like, following her on Instagram, do it now. Oh my god, she's Maddie's favorite on Instagram. She's so good. <laughs> um, she makes fun of herself. For the audition the process of this movie, because a lot of these actors had to like kind of read for these parts and stuff, for the audition process, so nobody knew the plot of the movie, everybody had to read a killer monologue. So you had to read like the the reveal, like, yes, yeah, Sydney, it was me all along. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, they all had to read that. 
then they would read some other stuff and then so nobody knew who the killer was but they all had to be convincing as that person yeah. and the directors say that <laughs> that our hottie mchottie that josh was by far the best ghost face monologue <laughs> but then he cracked everybody up and they loved him and they almost switched his character to be the killer because he read it so well but you can't have the boyfriend be the killer Again. No, they wanted to subvert Scream 2 because it's so much of it is Scream 2. Like, they go to college again. There's all these plot points that are similar. And then they kind of switch the way they did it at the end in that movie. The sororities and the fraternities are the same. Huh. It's, uh, it's interesting. Courtney Cox also made history with this tying somebody else that she is the only person to be in six films of a franchise. And she ties that um, with Mila Jovovich. Resident Evil? Mm-hmm. Uh, they both have been yeah. in six back-to-back original movies and and, Corny Cox wins that battle Roger Jackson also is in six of them Um, fun fact about him if you look at the the, like I said the subway is like just a land of easter eggs you could freeze frame every little shot like every Wes Craven movie is represented in that like even his really small movies like you know like the horrible Christy Swanson movie or whatever like (laughs) those characters are all (laughs) sorry she likes Trump she doesn't have to we don't have to be nice to Christy Swanson on this Um, so yeah uh, she's from Orange County like me and no one in Orange County is nice to each other. That's just how we, that's on our welcome mat. <laughs> that's on our sign. <laughs> welcome to Orange County. We're bitches here. Uh, but a fun little subway thing is somebody's dressed like Mojo Jojo. Do you know who that is? Yeah. The, like crazy monkey from, from Powerpuff, Powerpuff Girls. Girls. Yeah. Somebody's dressed as Mojo Jojo. And why that's an Easter egg is that Roger Jackson, the voice of Ghostface, is also the good, the voice of Mojo Jojo. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so they put him in there. Um, I was excited that we were going to have Hayden and this is also the most survivors that any of these movies has ever yeah. had. Like they have like seven people lived. It was exciting to see where it was going to go. Hopefully they can figure some shit out. Jenna Ortega not involved. Yeah, it sucks though because Jenna brought such good, she brings so much goodness to I mean, everything two, that she's in. Your but. two leads are not in the movie. And then from Yellow Jackets. She said that no one's called her. Yeah, that... That poster just like, I don't know what's happening. No one's talked to me. Nev's messages have been great. She's like, I hope they can figure it out. And I'm like, I know you're the craft girl. <laughs> Man, I'll take their film. Man, I'll take their film. <laughs> I, I see through you, girl. But yeah, in all honesty, they need to give Nev Campbell millions of dollars. Let her be the lead. They'll make the money back. And have it maybe be the final one? Have her, have her die in the beginning. <laughs> and still give her millions of dollars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. that's what they do that's what they do for Jamie Lee Curtis that's what you do for Neff Campbell like yeah stop giving our final girls the shaft you know they do the same shit with like Heather Langenkamp who played Nancy and stuff like they're maybe not famous in your executive world on numbers and on paper but to the fans they are like I always joke that we should kill Neff Campbell in these movies but I know so many of you listeners like Neff Campbell is your favorite screen queen and yeah she's worth every penny these movies make so much money yeah so much money. So yeah, put her in. Give her whatever she asked for. Bravo. Yeah, that's Scream it. Scream 6. <laughs> okay, for my last film, it was a box office success. I checked yesterday. At this time, <laughs> it's still in theaters. Oh, really? You can still find it. You can go see it this afternoon. The holidays are over, but they don't have to be when you have Thanksgiving. Hey! Thanksgiving. 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 Um, this movie, absolutely phenomenal. I think there's, it's, the original concept came from Grindhouse, Mm -hmm. Tarantino, Mm -hmm. you know, the faux trailers. I think the only one left to be made is Werewolf Women of the SS. (laughs) And, and I don't know that one. And 
don't <laughs> don't hasn't been me don't <laughs> Edgar Wright sure <laughs> don't but it was totally a joke Eli Roth came up with that spent years then kind of ruminating and made it into a feature length movie a you know Black Friday massacre because humans are terrible creatures <laughs> to each other only when there's sales yeah only when there's sales <laughs> but uh i mean it was brutal it was funny there was it was i mean you have your you, it, i think it's a really great eli roth film it's um, probably the greatest eli roth film yeah you know i mean it's i think it made what did i say 46 as of today 46.1 million dollars in the past i mean it, it with the box office and everything coming out of there it made i think in two weeks it made like something like 26 but it still proceeded to still make 20 million past that worldwide um and it's run currently which i think is great i remember asking you do you think there's gonna be another one and you're like eli roth made hostile too of yeah. course there's gonna be another one did i say that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds like me <laughs> um but we have another daddy of the uh, silver fox coming back we have patrick Dempsey. yes who if the Hayden F. Campbell, he's supposed to be her husband in Scream, so he would come back also. Oh my god. So you'd get him God. Do it. Pay them <laughs> the money. Hot cop. Um, we also have a- Do you think Patrick Dempsey's hot? Yeah. McDreamy? Yeah. It's so funny. When I was a kid, like when I was a teenager, people would always compare me to Patrick Dempsey. They're like, You look like Patrick Dempsey. And so in my brain that was horrible. Like and the curly hair too. Curly hair. Because back in the day in the eighties, he was mostly known for like Can't Buy Me Love. Oh. Where he's the nerdy boy that like pays the rich girl to be. His well, your girlfriend. brain just went to and his ugliest, like, oh, weirdest I'm movie. I'm the nerdy. I'm the nerdy boy. <laughs> Not McDreamy on like. So yeah, even during Grey's Anatomy time, if people said I looked like him, I would get offended. And get I upset. mean, he was like people's like sexiest man alive, like multiple I don't years. On, guys. <laughs> Perception. Perception. Huh. Take the donut. I'm gonna take the donut. And I'm gonna look at him in a new way. Also has an amazing cameo from Gina Gershon, um, which made me so happy. Um, we and actually came face to face with Gina Gershon while we've been gone, you guys. We I like hugged her. Yeah. I hugged Gina Gershon yeah. and I died. And he came back to life just to, to record life. this for you. Yeah, we got invited to some fancy post like party girl party. I got to meet Parker Posey and I got to meet Gina Gershon. It was really one of the most fucking surreal New York City nights that i've had in a long time yeah. it was and met alan cummings mother <laughs> you know we all well, had our highlights around. <laughs> we were on the desk i turned around and it was just tiny gina gashan standing behind me and i said hi i'm maddie <laughs> and what did gina say hi i'm gina mm-hmm. i said oh did she say it like that hi and she was like oh, hi hello <laughs> yeah all of us were kind of like Oh. <laughs> it was yeah it was it was very it was very surreal so um, our friend gina popped up in this movie best friends <laughs> go back way her part was too small in my opinion but it um i mean like it, it i thought that it was a very lovely slasher movie a different premise sort of situation i was wondering how they were going to tie the entire kind of thanksgiving thing in it was going to be a time traveling madman but i think that how they did it was really really great and the lead actress um addison ray i thought that she was really good it kind of gives you just you know that 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 new england colonial town 
vibes and I found it very um it gets it gets witchy, it gets weird, but um there's a human sized oven. There's so many I mean it was it was super fun. And I think what's yeah. missing from a lot of Eli Roth's past filmography is fun. Oh my god, because it's for just a man who disgusting. clearly loves the genre as much as he does, and he's so smart. Like he's one of the most like knowledgeable horror aficionados I can think of. He's like Joe Bob Briggs with a furry chest. Like he's he's great. Yeah. But his movies I've always found kind of odd in that they don't reflect what seems like his personality and what seems like his knowledge. Like yeah. it almost seems to like go low. Like uh I find that with like Hostel and with Cabin Fever and with like um with the Green Inferno. Like a lot of it is like you go he goes for like the low joke or the low hanging fruit. Yeah, and and he's smarter than that. And I think it's funny that this film seems like he's having the most fun. Yeah. And from what I've read about it, this is a project that he's wanted to do since like before Cabin Fever. Like it's an idea he's had because he loves holiday horror and like Christmas horror and stuff. And he's always like, there's no Thanksgiving good horror movie, which yeah. is true. Exactly. And it's kind of like kind of bullshit that we all do, right? As fans, like I always am like, there should be an Easter Bunny killer movie. Or there should be right. something else besides Valentine, you know? Like, Something else besides Jack Frost. <laughs> there's like, it's a great like well to mine. And like, and the fact that he made something you could tell that he really loved what he was doing, but it also just seemed like he was having a good time. In yeah. a way that he seems when he's like <clears throat> acting for Tarantino or something. Like I can tell he's having a blast when he's like in Inglorious Bastards or when oh he's in Grindhouse. He's he he loves to be there. And I didn't get that kind of joy in a lot of his other movies. A lot of his other movies I find hard to watch. And then Cabin Fever, which is probably I'd say the funniest of his movies besides this. The jokes are just in it. Like it, it, they're so straight. It's such straight male humor. Yeah that I don't particularly find funny, you know, like, yeah. and, um, and it's just kind of quirky and odd, but this, it was just, it was a really well done thing. It was another surprise that I was expecting it just to be a stupid slasher that we just watch mindlessly. And it was enjoyable and fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I had an absolutely great time. I watched out, I walked out being like, well, that was fucking lovely. It was fun. Yeah. Sometimes horror is fun. The only thing that my only minus is that Jordan Ladd is like really heavily featured in the fake trailer and Grindhouse. Yeah. Enjoy for the for those of you that don't know, Jordan Ladd is the voice that you hear in the beginning of our trailer. She's our Carrie. Uh, she's a, she's a friend and she's um, amazing. And I really wanted her to be surprised and have her pop up in mm-hmm. it, but she wasn't. And they and the only other beef I have, I guess, and beef the only other turkey I have is that <laughs> dark meat. Right? The the only dark meat I can find in this situation is um the trampoline scene is so iconic in the trailer, and it was sort of a throwaway a throwaway moment in the movie. And I wish someone had gotten decapitated in the car or something. Like, there's scenes in the trailer with Machete. When they made Machete into a real movie, a lot of the scenes in the trailer that as a fake trailer yeah. house are in the movie. And I kind of would have liked to see some of more of the trailer. Yeah, I mean, like, house, the trampoline Thanksgiving just trailer kinda... is very, like, retro and right. 70s looking. And it, it wouldn't really fit like, being modern like it is. And, but But it was just little things that I was waiting for, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of like, why is there a trampoline in the middle of a gym? Like, if Rob Zombie doesn't make Werewolf Women of the SS with Nicolas Cage coming in as Mojo whatever at the end, <laughs> I'm going to be pissed off. There's, like, little things in these trailers that were really, really wonderful. I'm I like, don't know if we should let Rob Zombie do another movie. No, he has to make Werewolf Women of the okay. SS. But. With Nicolas Cage and Shane Zombie. There is one thing that we're promising ourselves this season. We're not going to go off on Rob Zombie rants. 
No, we're in the, the topic. This year. <laughs> the topic is something else. We're not letting us go. We're not letting Rob Zombie hijack our episode once again because no. it's happened twice before. Shame on us. Shame on us. Not shame on you, Daddy Zombie. <laughs> not shame on you. It's okay. You're doing your best. He didn't make anything this year. He has nothing to piss us off about. <laughs> um, well, those are our films that we, you know, enjoyed, that we... That's all the stuff that we saw that we wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Did you see all of those movies? Are there some that you hadn't? Did you write them down? Did you tweet about them? Did you... I'm not going to call it the other one. X. Whatever. Did you X about it? (laughs) (laughs) It's nothing to get X'd about. Um, But yeah, we have some great, great stuff lined up for you in the coming weeks. And Um, some even greater stuff that you're not going to know what those things are because you have to come back and listen to us again. But we do have a little special sneak peek for next week. Yeah. Yeah. Give us a sneak peek. Well, I think you should, because, I mean, I don't know, you're in the movie. (laughs) So this weird thing happened while I was gone. (laughs) (laughs) If you know me at all, I mean, and some of you are listening, I probably know me. Um, if If you know me at all, you would know that my I don't have a lot of dreams in my life that are yet unfulfilled. I've lived a full life. But there was one thing that I just was sitting in my back pocket. Just and what was burning that? A hole. What was that, darling? I just wanted to be a dumb blonde slut that died in a horror movie first. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't ask for a lot, you know? I just wanted to be a first girl. I just wanted to be, like, making bad choices, throwing caution to the wind, and then running through that wind with fake blood all over my face and my eyes stinging and, um, and snot coming out of my nose. Yeah. And saying, is this pretty? Is this pretty? Am I an actress, daddy? <laughs> And Guillermo Diaz said, yes, you're an actress. Um, <clears throat> so I died in this movie. I get all bloody and gross in a movie called You Can't Stay Here. And it just did um, a, a series of screenings, like a week, a little more than a week of screenings at the IFC Theater in New York. Um, but then we got to be a midnight movie for like and play at midnight for a couple more days. And it stars Guillermo Diaz. It's by Todd Perot. Uh, it, um, I have a very, very, very small part in it, but it is pivotal you were also the set photographer i was the set photographer also and i'd like pop up in little scenes here and there uh, but yeah i'm all out i'm through it and uh it's very exciting to me and it means a lot so we are going to have a conversation about that movie next time um, yeah and bring some special guests in and we'll talk about what it was like making a queer horror movie in the central park rambles during covid during covid <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert it was sticky it was sticky but we're super for looking forward to sharing that with you guys and everything else that we have coming up because we're back. Yeah, we're back and you can't get rid of us that easy. So yeah, make sure that you know you're up to date on all the things. Follow us on Instagram at the Dirty Pillows Podcast. We're on X Dirty Pillows Podcast. Shoot us an email at the Dirty Pillows at Gmail. The Dirty Pillows Podcast at gmail.com. I think there's one thing left to say. And we'll say it until we're blue in the face. I love you. To to death. Farewell, Amadou, to you fair Spanish ladies.